Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Oharan. We're in the section entitled Avedas Hashem, paragraph Tov Tzadik Ches, 498. We dedicate the learning today. Today is Gimel Ador Adorishon. Tonight, tonight is Gimel Adorishon. And we dedicate the learning Le'iloi Nishmas, Nachman Shimshon, Rebavram Ephraim Yisroel, and Lili Nishmas, Yacha Bas Rebel Yochaim Halevi, and Lili Nishmas, Reb Chaim Yitzchok, Reb Yaakov Gershin. Their Nishamas should have an Aliyah, and we should have all the Yeshuas that we need, and for a complete Rafu Shalema for all those that need it. Rab Nosenthal says that we already mentioned previously in the Sefer Sichoi Saran, Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, paragraph 30, that Rabbi Nizal stressed us very much not to get nervous about cleanliness in terms of removing all weight, trying to remove all waste matter from the body before davening. During Rabbi Nizal's time, there were people who made a whole issue out of this uh, about trying, attempting to be completely, completely clean of any waste matter in, in order to daven with, with purity in a sense. And Rabbi Nizal stressed that the Torah was not given to malachim, to angels, it was given to human beings. And Rabbi Nizal said that the truth is a person cannot, cannot become completely, completely empty of, of waste matter. A person can sometimes go to relieve themselves, and five minutes later, if they try, see that they have to relieve themselves again. And now Rabbi Nezal said, he told over in the t- name of great doctors that he had spoken to, that said that it's better for the body if a person is a little bit constipated. Not We're not talking about constipated where it's painful or anything like that, but again, where a person is not trying to force the issue to, to remove all waste matter completely. Even though earlier doctors, some of them had said that a person has to try to have their metabolism loose so that all the waste matter is running out of the body, and so too regarding a person who had any type of illness, they would say it's good for the person to try to create a diarrhea type of situation, to empty out the body in order to help the person get better from the illness. But Rabbi Nezal said more recently, the doctors studied this more carefully and came up with the opposite conclusion, that it's much better for a person's health to be a little bit held back not com- completely loose in that sense. And especially when a person is sick, then especially the, the diarrhea, that, that loose waste matter, is not so beneficial for the person. And Rabbi Nezal said, told over in the name of these big doctors that he had consulted with, that they said that a person who has to relieve themselves from excrement once a day, even that's considered a weakness in a sense. It's better, it's healthier, if a person does it once in two days. It's just that if if 
a person sometimes chas is constipated for a few days, then a person must take steps. They must take something to try to be able to open up the body, to be able to remove the waste. However, in general, the norm, Rabbi Nezal said, once in two days is better for the health of the body. And Rabbi Nezal says, Rabbi Nezal spoke about this at a lot, and he made it clear that his opinion was like the opinion of the latter doctors regarding this matter. However, he stressed that certainly when a person gets up in the morning and a person wants to go to shul to daven, they should not spend any extra time trying to force themselves to remove every last vestige of waste matter from the body, but rather to conduct themselves in a normal human way. If a person feels they have to go, they go. If they don't feel the need to go, they don't. As is expressed in, in our Sforim, in, in, the, in the Sefer Sichai Soran. Now we know Rabbi Nezal, it's not as if Rabbi Nezal respected everything the doctor said, that if the doctor said something, then that was 100% fact. In this particular case, there were two opinions, the earlier doctors and the more recent doctors, and Rabbi Nezal agreed with the opinion of the more recent doctors. Could be not necessarily because they said it, but rather Rabbi Nezal understood this from sources in the Torah. We know in general, Rabbi Nezal said not to rely on doctors blindly, chas v'shalem, but rather to be mispalel, very, but if, if a person has to use a doctor, to be mispalel, that the doctor should diagnose correctly, and, and when necessary, to get a second opinion, or even a third opinion, if it's something very, very serious. The next paragraph. Yes. I, I thought when in this paragraph that what Rabbeinu tried to explain is that this is a loose way to go or more constipated. And then the part which talks about um, uh, is it one day or two days? Is it the machlekas if the food which a person eats takes two days to digest and come out or one day to digest and come out? What do you think about it? Could be that's related. To, could be that information is also related to this, but Rabbeinazal didn't go into it specifically. He didn't express that openly here. He just said that as far as a person, the norms for a person, this <clears throat> a typical, normal, reasonably healthy person, Rabbeinazal said the norm would be once in two days for a person to relieve themselves. We're talking about gedolim. The next paragraph, Toft Sadik Tes, Rabbi Nosanzal says, Rabbi Nosanzal was once discussing the topic of bitachin, trust, trust in Hashem. And Rabbi Nosanzal said that there aren't tzaddikim who the way that they express their trust and faith in Hashem is that they don't allow themselves to retain any money for the next day. Any money that they have at the end of the day, they distribute to charity. They don't hold over any money for the next day because of the fact that they believe that every day is a new creation 
and Hashem provides individually for each and every single day. If I'm leaving over money now for tomorrow, it's as if I don't have faith and trust in Hashem that Hashem will provide me everything I need for tomorrow. We find this was told, the Baal Shem Tov was known to conduct himself this way, and also the great Rebbe Melech Melizhensk, and some others, that at the end of the day, they would make sure to distribute all money and not leave any money for tomorrow, for the next day. And Rabbi Nezal said that a person has to be very, very strong in bitochen in order to be able to conduct themselves that way. <clears throat> because if a person makes the slightest mistake, it could be terrible. And then he went on to say that there's a higher level than that, which is when a true tzaddik retains money, he holds on to money, he doesn't give it all away, he doesn't get rid of all of it. And Rabbi Nezal said that that's even more difficult because we know Rabbi Nezal did not follow the derech of the Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi Melech in this manner. He didn't distribute, get rid of all of his money at, at the end of the day. And Rabbi Nezal said that that's even more difficult for a tzaddik who really believes in Hashem and trusts Hashem completely and has 100% confidence in Hashem that Hashem provides for every single day, and yet the tzaddik holds on to money. And Rabbi Nassau proved this by showing us that the Ovay Sakdoishim, Avram Yitzchok Yaakov, what the Torah tells us how they dealt with money, we see that they did not get rid of all their money at the end of each day, but rather they were very wealthy. By Yaakov Avinu, we find when he wanted to purchase the city of Shechem, he, he bought it on the spot, COD, cash on delivery. He paid the price. Where did he have the money for that? Where did he have all the money for that? And so to Avram Avinu, when he purchased the Meora Samachpela for 400 silver pieces at the time. And Rabbi Nassau went on to say, we find in other psukim and in Medrish that the, these tzaddikim held on to money. And Rabbi Nassau went on to say that by, by the great tzaddikim, this is even a higher madrega to be able to hold on to the money and obviously to use it properly. However, the next paragraph, Tovkuf 500, Rabbi Rab Nazal says that Rabbi Nazal did speak to us a lot, praising the derech of the Baal Shem Tov, what the Baal Shem Tov did, that the Baal Shem Tov displayed such emuna and bitochen and Hashem to be able to, at the end of the day, give away all the money, to any money that they still had left, to give it away to tzedakah, to charity, and, and use it only for the things that were important at that moment, things they needed for right then, and not leave any money over for the next day. Because for ordinary people who want to try to purify themselves and to follow the path of tzaddikim, that's certainly the, the better way, meaning for a person to try to get to a level where they're not worried about how much they have in savings and, and what am I going to do, how, what am, how am I going to pay for things tomorrow or the next day or the next week. 
And Rabbein Zal praised this in a big way. He spoke at length about this. However, and, and we, we understood from his words, Rav Zal says, that Rabbein Zal wanted to purify us and to try to get to that kind of level of bitochim, where we're not worried at all about tomorrow, and we don't feel that we have to save money, we have to put aside money for tomorrow's expenses, that we have this kind of level of real faith and trust in Hashem, that every new day, if the Torah tells us that Hashem creates the world anew, then He creates, He provides for the world anew every single day. The next paragraph, still related, we have a few paragraphs now that are all related to this topic. Rabbi Nassim says, we already heard previously from Rabbi Nassim that he wanted us to have parnasa. He wanted us to have a livelihood, a way of supporting ourselves. <clears throat> Even though bitochin is very, very good, still, Rabbi Nassim said, it's very good when a person has a means of a livelihood. A person has a trade, a profession, a business, some way of being able to support themselves, their family. Because Rabbi Nezal said, when a person does have that, then instead of having to put such extreme energy into bitachon, instead of that, that person can use that energy to learn more Torah, to daven better, to do more mitzvahs. Because if a person doesn't have a means of earning a livelihood, then very often the person, that weighs on the person's mind a lot, and the person has to fight to strengthen themselves in bitochin. So Rabbi Nezal said, instead of that, let the person do other avoidis, let the person learn Torah, do, do other mitzvahs, and be mechazik themselves in other, other aspects of serving Hashem. And Rabbi Nassau says, but despite that, Rabbi Nassau did say that the Iker is bitochin. And there's a quote from Rabbi Nassau, nor bitochin, only trust and faith in Hashem. Meaning, even for those people who are going to work, even those people who are operating businesses, even those people who have savings account, don't put your trust and faith in those things. That's not your security. On the American coins, it says, in God we trust. To, unfortunately, to many people, that's their God. But, but by us, it's a reminder that I'm not putting my faith in the dollar or the euro or what the, money, the wallet that I have in my pocket or the money I have in the bank. My faith and trust is only in Hashem. The next paragraph, also related to this, this is the final one on this topic, Tov Kuf Beis 502, Rabbein said, I don't know how fundraisers, people that collect money to support themselves, how do they say the words, Va'al tatzrichenu lidei matnas basar vadon? We know in Birka Samozoin, in Benching, a person says, Hashem, please let me not have to come on to gifts from people, from human beings. Rabbi Nezal said, how could a person be saying that when their whole parnasa 
is from money that they receive from other people. They go around collecting and hoping that somebody will give them a larger donation. And Rav Nassim says, we understood from Rabbi Nassim's words that this takes, there's an avoida involved in this. There's a level of seichel, of intellect involved in this, in a person knowing how to receive money from another, from another Jew and where the person's whole parnasa is based on what they're receiving. And still, the, the person is not called a mekabel. He's not a receiver. And, and doesn't feel that he has to come on to, to gifts from human beings. And Rabbi Nassau concludes by saying that a person has to plead with Hashem, really daven, to be zoicha, to have this mindset of, of knowing that everything is from Hashem and not to feel that they have to come on to any person, any gift from any human being. I remember years ago when my Rebbe, Rebbe Michal Dorfman, was living, I once asked him this question, that when I'm going, I'm traveling, <clears throat> and I'm going to collect money, to raise money, for the yeshiva, for other things, other important causes in Breslov. And I say these words, what should I be thinking? And he clarified a little bit to me that even when you're going to a person and you're giving a pitch, you're trying to convince them to give money and to give substantial money, if and when the person does give the money to say, thank you, Hashem, Thank you, Hashem, for giving me this donation. And I thank you for being the shaliach, for being Hashem's messenger. Of course, the fact that Hashem chose you to be his messenger, obviously that's a schus. Obviously that shows Hashem loves you. And Hashem should continue to love you and give you everything you need and put you in a position to be able to give and give more and more. But again, the attitude is that that it's coming from Hashem. Hashem is giving me. I'm going to see a person, a physical person, because sometimes Hashem decides to give it through a shaliach, through a messenger. If Hashem wants, He can give it other ways. Har, the, the Gemara says, Har yesh Hashem has many messengers. And we find, Dovan HaMelech says in Tehillim, Al tiftuchu benedivim. Don't put your trust in wealthy people, donors, human beings who in many cases can't even help themselves. The person's neshama leaves and they return to earth, they return to dirt. Fortunate is the person who is receiving their help from Hashem, and the person is looking only to Hashem for their salvation. Then why am I going to see this person? Because could be in meeting this person, I'll be able to share Advar Torah. I'll be able to say a good word. I'll be able to listen to that person. There's what to learn from every single person. And very often people that you're going to see need a listener. They need a listening ear. Most people today struggle with that. They have difficulties, problems, struggles. And if, if they meet someone who cares, who cares about them and is willing to listen, willing to give them a chance to express some of the struggles, difficulties that they're going through, or even at times to share good news, 
to have somebody to share it with, that itself is an incredibly important mitzvah. That's very special. And, and this made it a lot easier, this realization always, knowing that everything comes from Hashem. Now again, that doesn't give me a license to be disrespectful in any way, or insulting, or not show any appreciation at all for the donor, the person who's giving. I, I appreciate, but I remind both of us that, that you're giving Hashem's money, that Hashem blessed you. I'm so happy that Hashem put you in a position to give, and you should always have what you need for yourself and family and be in a position to give. Any questions? I see somebody mentions in the chat that regarding what we said previously, uh, on a practical level, all contemporary specialists in alternative medicine say that especially in the case of illness, <clears throat> diarrhea is much better than constipation. Should we consider them wrong? The answer is, it seems yes, yes. Because, you know, even on a, on a practical level, very often what weakens a person and, and what can, can make a person vulnerable to an illness is when, when the person becomes dehydrated. They're missing, they're missing certain things that the body needs to be able to retain its strength. So here again, I would definitely trust Rabbeinazal's opinion on this. In Rabbeinazal saying that, that the, the method, the diuretics, are not the way to go unless a person has been constipated for a long, for a substantial period of time, and then it's necessary. I remember, again, seeing my Rebbe, Reb Michal Dorfman, in his later years, when he was in his 80s, late 80s and 90s, there are older people that struggle with this item, constipation, and he found a natural type of, of pill somebody had, had put out, a natural type of pill with the Heksher of the Edachredes, 100%, which was supposed to be able to help people that suffer from a problem in this area not to be over-constipated. The next paragraph, Tov Kuf Gimel, Rav Nosenzal says, I heard it told over in the name of Rabbeinazal that he said that when a person experiences conflict, machloikis, opposition, there are times when, when the people that are opposing the person are actually doing the person a favor, a benefit, because this is one of the factors that helps a person grow and advance. Just like when we plant a seed in the ground, if the ground is, is very hard and stuck together, then, it's ve then very often that seed will not be able to produce a tree. But rather, in order for the seed to be able to produce, usually they plow the earth, they soften the earth, and that's what enables the produce to be able to come from that seed. So too, Rabbi Nezal said, that through machlekes, through opposition that a person experiences sometimes, this actually makes space, makes room for the person to grow and to flourish and to blossom. A person shouldn't think, well then, I'm going to make sure to be the one to make machlekes against other people. That a person has to be extremely careful not to be the one that's used to do this. There are certain, certain 
even certain mitzvahs that we don't run after. We let somebody else, if somebody else wants to do it, we'd rather have them do the job than us. But it, it's for the person who's experiencing the machlaikis to be able to know that it's very possible that they're going to benefit from this, that this is going to help them be able to advance. The next paragraph regarding the importance and the greatness of human beings. Rabbein once made a comment that when a person moves their hand, moves their hand, then all the worlds move. And when a person moves their hand this way, then again, all the worlds move in a different way, manner. And he said in Yiddish, Vos taich amensh If a person moves their hand this way, then such a, it has such an effect in all the worlds. And when the person moves their hand another way, it has a different kind of effect in all the worlds. The next paragraph related to this, Tov Kufhei, Rabbein Azal said, as Mizolibikaren a mention, if we would turn over, if we would turn around a human being to see all the parts of the body of the human being, we would be able to see how in every single vein and artery of the person are attached thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of worlds. And by telling us this, Rabbein wanted us to realize how important it is every time a person has an opportunity to perform a mitzvah. It's not something I'm doing just for myself. It's something that affects the entire world. We know the Gemara tells us that a person should always look at the world as being exactly balanced, perfectly balanced, the number of, of merits and the number of faults. And the next move that I make could tip the scales. If I do a mitzvah, it can tip the scales, the balance for the entire world in a favorable and a positive way. And if chas v'shalom, I commit a sin, I do something wrong, I could be tipping the scales for the entire world, chas v'shalom. But here, Rabbein is taking it to another level, that we know that Hashem, the world we are in, is one of many worlds that Hashem has created. And Rabbein Azal wanted to make it perfectly clear to us that what we do here on earth affects the other worlds. Not only when we do a mitzvah, every move, every slight move that a Jew does affects, affects worlds. Question on something we learned earlier, where Rabbein Azal said that for a tzaddik emes to hold on to money is a greater avoider than getting rid of the money. The answer is, the, the, the answer is that Rabbein Azal doesn't explain it there. I, I don't know if Rabbein Azal goes into it in any way, but just to, to, to have an idea, money is, is a super delicate item. There's, there's a posuk mitzafoin tiposach haro. Evil comes from the north. The north means the left side. And there's a pasuk mitzafoin zohav yuasa. That gold, wealth, is associated with the left side. Which means it's, it's a delicate item. And it's easy for the klipois, the negative forces, to attach themselves to it. And therefore... A tzaddik naturally would want to unload it, get rid of it. I don't want to. I don't have anything to do with this. 
And Rabbeinu Sal was implying that there's an avoida involved in a tzaddik being able to hold on to money, meaning to make a connection to the left side, and yet not be harmed in any way whatsoever by it. We're going to see later, we may have it today or may have it in the following shir. Rabbeinu Sal speaks about a person getting a new article of clothing, that when a person puts on a new article of clothing, their face changes, and, and their being changes to a degree. So these things, wealth, clothing, materialism, can affect a person in a very big way, and unfortunately it's very easy for it to have a negative effect on a person. For a tzaddik to be able to hold on to money, and, and know exactly when and how to use it to get the maximum benefit from it, Rabbi Nassau was telling us that this is a major avoida. The next paragraph, Tov Kuf Vov, 506, Rabbi Nassau says, I was once discussing with Rabbi Nassau the many thoughts that go through my mind that cause confusion, bilbul, regarding things that, that get me down and nervous regarding performing a mitzvah. Meaning, am I really doing the mitzvah right? There are so many details. Maybe my mitzvah is not being done properly. Maybe I'm not fulfilling all aspects of the halacha that I should be doing. For example, regarding washing hands. Washing hands for bread. We know it's told that Rav Nassanzal's father-in-law Reb David Svi Oyerbach, who was called the great Reb David Svi, it's brought that he would not eat bread throughout the entire week, six days a week, because of the delicate issues in the laws of washing hands. In order to avoid that, he wouldn't, he wouldn't wash for, for bread six days a week. On Shabbos, when a Jew is obligated to have three meals, then he would wash with all kinds of chumras, different kinds of chumras. So Rav Nassanzal was telling Rabbi Nassal that he himself struggles with this, with all kinds of thoughts and bilbulim that bother him regarding performing mitzvahs sometimes, whether he's doing it really right or not. And Rabbi Nassal responded, I already spoke to you about this, that you don't need to look at those things. You don't need to, to, to look for all kinds of excuses to, to feel bad about the performance of a mitzvah. But rather, Baruch Hashem, you've learned, you're a Talmud Chacham, you know, <clears throat> you do the mitzvah as best as you can, and you, you hope and, and believe that Hashem is getting a nachas ruach, Hashem is getting pleasure, satisfaction from the mitzvah you're performing. And Rav Nosanzal says, I spoke to Rav Nosanzal a lot on this topic. And I told him, that this itself also bothers me. The fact that I'm bothered by this, the fact that I get these kind of thoughts, that also gets me nervous. And, and Rabbi Nezal said to me, don't start. Don't go there at all. Don't think. Don't, don't overthink. And Rabbi Nezal says, this is an incredible, important piece of advice regarding everything. Because there are many times that a person's thoughts make a person crazy, a person's own thoughts, thinking, overthinking certain things. And, and sometimes the more a person wants to get rid of those thoughts, they bother the person even more. And, and therefore, the advice is, 
don't go there at all. The minute you feel yourself sliding into that kind of thing, I'm out. That's not the best way to be serving Hashem. But rather, to do what you're doing, to, if you're learning, if you're involved in a mitzvah, to perform the mitzvah as best as you can. And again, we stress to remember what the Gemara says, Hashem did not give the Torah to angels, He gave it to human beings. We say in the davening in the morning, Kihu Yoda Yitzrenu. Hashem knows our Yetzirah. Hashem knows what we're up against, the obstacles, the challenges. Hashem knows that that we're not perfect. We're not perfect, and therefore Hashem doesn't expect perfection from us. He expects sincere effort, genuine sincere effort, humility, joy, and happiness. That's what Hashem expects. That's what Hashem gets nachas from. Tovkuv Zion, 507. Rabbi Nassar was once speaking about payas, the payas that, that people have, and that there are people that have gekreisel to payas. They curl the payas, especially to, to keep them neat and to keep them in a certain shape and form on the side of the face. <clears throat> in Hebrew, it's called misilsolim, silsil, the, the curling of the payas. In Yiddish, it's called Gekreisel Tepeis. And Rabbeinu Zal didn't explain. He, it, it seems that there was something significant about this, but Rabbeinu Zal wouldn't say it. However, Rabbeinu Zal says, I understood a little bit from Rabbeinu Zal's words, and now I reminded myself that we were talking about the Pasuk in Shira Shirim, paragraph 5, where the Pasuk says, Kivutsoisov Taltalim. It's speaking about Hashem Kaviochel, and it uses this term Taltalim, which means again these curls, referring to, to Hashem, the Shekhinah, Hashem's relationship to Klal Yisrael. And Rabbein Azal said that these Gekreisel Tepeis are an aspect of what it says in Shira Shirin, this term Kvutsoisov Taltalim. Kvutsoisov means the ends, the corners. The peya is peya means a corner, something that's at the corner of the head, the corner of the face. It's it's uh, we it's important to note, the Arizal says that that peyas is not something that started from the Hasidim. The Arizal speaks about the fact that Avraham Avinu, during his time, there were no razors or shaving machines. People used everyone had beards. What differentiated Avram Avinu from the other people, other nations, was the payas, the fact that he did not remove his payas. And there's a pasuk where Hashem says, praising Avram Avinu, "Ekev Asher Shoma Avraham Bekoili," because Hashem listened to what I said. And the Arizal says the word "Ekev" ayin kuf beis is bigematria 172 which is two times peya. Peya, the word peya, pay aleph hay is 86. Two times peya is akiv. That this was one of the important factors where Hashem saw that Avram Avinu wasn't embarrassed or ashamed to be different from all the other nations. By all of them, they removed the peya, and by him, the payas was a very important part of his being. It's, it's interesting, I've noticed recently that the, the style today has become a style, and unfortunately, there are many Jewish kids and adults 
that don't know halacha, they don't know the laws, and it's become a style for the barbers to remove all the hair on the sides of the head, including the payer, to cut it completely, completely to the skin and to leave hair in the middle. I saw this recently and I saw it by people wearing yarmulkes. And unfortunately, they don't know, they simply don't know the incredible importance of the payas. Again, and there are halachas, this is discussed in, Shul- it's a pasuk in Chumash, it's in Gemara, it's in Shulchan Aruch, regarding payas, you know, a person having payas. And it was a known item, especially in the European countries, that when they saw a person remove the payas, it was already an idea that the person might be leaning towards the reform movement, which was starting to develop at the time, where they emphasized that we don't want to be different than the other nations. We want to assimilate. We want to be accepted in the secular culture. And this was one of the ways that they wanted to be accepted was by removing this major important symbol of a, an observant Jew. Question was Rabbeinazal against Gekreiselte curled payas? Most Breslava Hasidim wear payas unkempt. Not true. Not true. I saw all of my rabbis, their payas were kempt. And I, I know many Breslav Hasidim whose payas are neat. There are some people who don't look in a mirror or different or aren't careful. I remember watching my rabbis, watching my Rebbe Reb Michal Dorfman Reb Nachman Burstein that when they would leave the house, before they would leave the house, they would check to see if their payas are neat. That a Talmud Chacham going out into the street especially has to be extra sensitive not to be unkempt. That there's no such thing as a religious Jew, especially a Talmud Chacham, you know, not being careful to be kempt, not unkempt. The next paragraph, Tov Kuv Ches, 508. Rabbein said that when a person is really trying very hard to concentrate and to put their heart into their tefillah, and they see it's not going, Somehow they, they feel spiritually dead. There's no energy, there's no vibration inside of them. Then the person has to simply say the words as simple as possible. Giving an example, the opening words of the Shmon Esrei, Hokel HaGodol HaGibor Vahanoira Hashem who is great, powerful, awesome. To say those words, simple without enthusiasm, without passion. And to say, to continue saying whatever words they're saying in that manner, and if Hashem helps the person, after a couple of words or sentences, the person starts becoming passionate and starts putting more life into their into the tefillah. And therefore he said, by ordinary people, when they want to daven with passion, with kavana, really putting their heart into the tefillah, sometimes they have to wait. Meaning, sometimes there's all kinds of, they go through all kinds of experiences during their tefillah, ups and downs. Meaning that in the beginning, the person's trying very hard to have kavana, to put their heart into it. And then sometimes, or a majority of times, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in the beginning. 
And then the person, person shouldn't stop davening. They should continue saying the words even without passion. And then afterwards, sometimes at a certain point in the tefillah, the person does become inspired and they're nislahev and they're able to say, and this can happen multiple times even during one tefillah, during a shachris, during a mincha, during a marif. And when Rabbi Nassau was speaking about this, he said these words, Hokel, Hagodol, Hagibor, Vahanoiro, and he said it like a person who's talking from a coldness, not feeling any inspiration, no passion at all, zero. And yet, and yet, his mind was on the words he was saying. He was definitely concentrating on the words he was saying. And Rabbi Nosanzal says, there's no way for me to, to express what I saw in writing. However, an intelligent person will understand the advice that we're giving over here regarding tefillah, that when a person can't daven with enthusiasm, with passion, like they want to, still, they, they shouldn't stop. They should continue. And very often, at some point in the tefillah, it'll happen. And then Rabbi Nezal said, and if a person can't daven at all, then if the person is able to say at least something in trinoi sobaka, meaning the person through the whole shachris, I didn't feel any passion, anything, then sometimes the person will say tehillim afterwards, or likute tefillois, or some trinois, and there they'll, they'll feel more of an inspiration. And then Rabbi Nezal said, and if that doesn't happen either, <clears throat> so, so what can the person do? The person should still yearn to Hashem and hope to Hashem, <clears throat> meaning that these are not excuses. This does not warrant getting depressed, getting down, <clears throat> feeling rejected and dejected. This is what happens. This is normal to people who are trying to come close to Hashem. We go through ups and downs. We're not robots. There are days when a person is more turned on and less turned on. <clears throat> there are times <clears throat> when a person is saying a particular tefillah, Baruch Sha'amar, and they're, they're into it. Every word is so special or precious, or ashray, or a different tefillah. And there are times that a person is saying the same paragraph and feels nothing. And a person shouldn't let that get in the way. The person should continue doing what they can with simplicity, and again, and hope, and, and, and expect that there will be a time that I will feel motiv more motivated, I will, feel, I will experience that passion. The next paragraph on a different topic, Tov Kuf Tes, Rav says that before Rabbi Nezal made his trip to Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Nezal said to Rabbi Aranzal, the rabbi of the city of Breslov, <clears throat> I love you so much that I give you a bracha that you should be zeche in olam haba to be able to understand my ordinary conversations. Not my shurim, not my, to be able to understand my sichas chulin, when I seem to be talking about ordinary things, not giving a dvar Torah, not giving a shir. In Olam Haba, you should be able to understand my Sichas Chulin. 
and and this the the one who Rabbeinazal was saying this to Rabbeinazal, Rabbeinazal said about him that he was a person who went to his wedding with a clean shirt, no stains, meaning completely pure in tikkun And before he came to Rabbeinazal, he was a dayon. He was already learned in all areas of halacha. And his father, who was a dayan also, a respected, well-known dayan, his father sometimes would send his son to deal with a case which he felt was difficult for him that his son, who was so sharp and so learned, had a better chance of being able to resolve it. There's a beautiful story in the Sefer Toivois Zechreinois, which is written by Rabbi Koch of Leizal, Rabbi Vrom Sternhartz, which describes how Rebaranzal became a Breslover, how he came to Rabbeinazal. And he was one of Rabbeinazal's close, close students, closest students. And yet, and, and Rabbeinazal said to him, I, 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 because I love you so much, I give you a bracha that you should be in the next world to be able to understand my sichas chulen. This should give us somewhat of, a, of a, an idea as to who our Rebbe, who Rabbeinazal is. The next paragraph, Tov Kuf Yud, 510. Rabbi Nassim says, My friend, Rabbi Naftali Zal, once told me that Rabbi Nassim was speaking to him about the mitzvah of tefillin. And Rabbi Nassim praised the incredible holiness of tefillin. We know the Zohar Kodesh refers to tefillin as the crown of the king, the crown of Hashem. And Rabbi Nassim said, that when a person is putting on tefillin, a person should be very passionate about it because it's wow, it's wow. I'm putting on the crown of the king and tefillin are so holy and a person should feel fear or trembling when they want to put the tefillin on, which is such an incredible holy item. And Rabbeinu Zal elaborate on this a lot. And Rabbi Nassim says, I also understood from Rabbi Nassim the awesome holiness of tefillin. And Rabbi Nassim said that there are many chapters in Likut Imran which are related to the mitzvah of tefillin. Even though he doesn't mention tefillin openly at all in the chapter, despite that, the chapter in Likut Imran is speaking about what tefillin is really all about. And Rav Nosanzal writes some examples. Chapter 5 in Likut Imran, which is the first Rosh Hashanah shir that Rav Nosanzal heard. Rav Nosanzal there speaks about moichin, about purity of the moichin. Chapter 4 in Likut Imran, Onoichi Hashem Alekecho. Chapter 33 in Likut Imran. Chapter 35, chapter 38, all in the first book of Likut Imran. And many other chapters that was said around that time, Rabbein Azal said that all of them are related to tefillin. And Rabbein Azal says, from this you could, ima- you could get an idea as to how great and holy the tefillin really are. The next paragraph on this same topic, Tovkuf Yud Aleph, Rabbein Azal writes that Rabbein Azal said he knows a particular soifer a scribe who writes tefillin and mezuzahs and sifrei Torah, who is a hidden tzaddik. And Rabbein Azal wanted very much that his students 
should get their tefillin from this cipher. And he said he wants to travel to this cipher himself and, and buy from him a number of pairs of tefillin. Because Rabbi Nezah said, I have, to, I have to travel to this cipher with tremendous chachma so that he shouldn't realize that I'm coming to him because he's the best, he's so great at tzaddik, so that he shouldn't chas get any gaiva. He shouldn't feel any arrogance chas v'shalom. Therefore, Rabbeinazal said, I want to go to him myself and to purchase a number of pairs of tefillin from him and to distribute it among, among my students so that they should all be zeichet to be wearing this sofer's holy tefillin. And Rav Nosanzal writes, even before he told us this, he spoke a lot about the fact that he wants us to have real good, kosher, beautiful tefillin that come from a really worthy sofer. And Rav Nosanzal says, we understood that he was not referring to the famous ciphers at that time, but rather that he wanted a cipher who was really, really a Yerei Shamayim, a Tzaddik. And he spoke about this several times, about having good tefillin. Afterwards, Rav Zal says, I believe he's referring to Rav Naftali Zal. I- I'm sorry, and it was after that discussion that Rabbi Nezal told us what we just said, that he knows of a particular cipher who ha- we have to travel to him and, and try to acquire sets of tefillin from him. But Rabbi Nezal says, unfortunately, we were not zeuche that Rabbi Nezal should reveal to us who this cipher was and where he's located. And then Rabbi Nezal ended up passing away, and we don't know, we don't know where this special cipher <clears throat> is. It's interesting, I saw in a different Sefer a story about one of Rabbeinazal's students, the Trovitz Magid, as he's known, Rabbi Kusil Mitrovitz, who before he met Rabbeinazal, he was a Magid in 80 cities. He would go throughout the year to 80 different cities to give Musar, and he was respected. He had many Hasid and many followers. And when he met Rabbeinazal, who was much younger than him, he told his students, that's it, I'm changing titles. I'm no longer a Magid, I'm no longer a rabbi. This is my Rebbe. Rabbeinazal, who was much younger than him, is his Rebbe. And there are several stories regarding the Trovitz Magid. And I saw this about a week ago, that the Trovitz Magid once traveled to a place where he believed this cipher that Rabbeinazal was referring to, and he saw the cipher, and the cipher, he went him to acquire tefillin, and the cipher wouldn't look at him. The cipher was facing the wall. And even when he acquired, when he paid him for a pair of tefillin, got the tefillin, the cipher didn't turn around. He didn't look at him. And there are some details. I don't remember all the details of the story, but again, they weren't sure whether this is the cipher that Rabbeinazal was referring to or not. The next item, interesting, still within this same paragraph, Tov Kuf Yudala 511, Rav says that one of Rav students was once complaining that after he eats, when he lies down, after he eats, you know, probably the evening meal, and he, he lies down, so before falling asleep, he wants to speak to Hashem a little bit, 
and to ask Hashem to bring him close to him, etc. And unfortunately, he finds that he can't open his mouth at the time. He can't speak. So Rabbi Nezal said to him, if you see that you can't speak, so you lay there and you, you moan. Oi! 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 And Rabbi Nezal himself made this motion. Oi! 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 Several times in the manner that he told his student to do. That when you, when you see that you actually don't have words to say, you can't speak, so you do this anocha which Rabbein Hazal speaks about in several chapters in Likut Imran, that that's also something very, very special. When a person is doing it with sincerity as a means of expressing a yearning for Hashem. One final short item, Tovkuf Yud Beis 5.12, Rabbein Hazal said in Yiddish, azir it's, it, it's an Avera if you people do an Avera. Meaning, he was implying to his students that he puts so much into us. He tries so hard to give us emuna and love for Hashem and respect for Hashem that if we allow ourselves to do an Avera, it's, it's a terrible thing for people like us who have a Rebbe like this to still be doing Averas, that kind of thing. We should be zeicha. We should be zeicha to study Rabbi Nezal's words and to, to appreciate them and respect them, and to come close to Rabbi Nezal's talmidim amitiim, and thereby be zeicha to be saved from averos, to be saved from confusion in the mind, to be saved from everything we need to be saved from, and to be zeicha to all the Yeshuas that we need to be able to daven properly and learn properly and serve Hashem properly and see all the Yeshuas that each and every one of us need individually and the, the Yeshuas that Klal Yisrael needs. Question in the chat, what if a person has a high fever and they're sick and they can't sleep? If a person can't sleep, then they should try to talk to Hashem, take advantage of it. Try to talk to Hashem. If they can't talk to Hashem, they should sing, sing to Hashem to do whatever you can at the time. There's a story with Rav Nosanzal that he was once eating fish and, ex and a bone got stuck in his throat and he started choking. <clears throat> and choking to the extent that he couldn't speak, he couldn't say anything. And Rav Nosanzal was, he put his head up like this. He had his head up and then Baruch Hashem, somehow, way, the bone got dislodged and he was okay. And he mentioned to the person that was with him at the time, he said, you saw that even though I couldn't speak, I couldn't say anything, but still I turned my eyes to Hashem. I was looking up to Hashem, pleading, pleading with my eyes that Hashem should help me, that Hashem should save my life. So this is an incredible, important point that Rabbi Nezal makes, to do what we can. Wishing everybody a good Chodesh. Yesterday was Rosh Chodesh Shabbos, was the second day of Rosh Chodesh Adar. Adar is Simcha. All of us should be zeicha to Simcha individually in our own homes and the Simcha Klali for the entire Klal Yisrael, the coming of Moshiach, the Binyan Beis Amikdash, Meher Vyameinu, Amen Vyamein.